Oh shit. Here we go again. What's up, everybody? We are back again. Third week in a row with the pod. It's getting pretty serious out here. The whole crew is back. Um, getting ready for a nice long weekend here. Maybe a little little golf getting played. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we're back. Breakfast ball. So, uh, Vince, say what's up. What's going on, guys? And we got Dougie here as well. What's up, guys? Dougie's back. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, we're just going to get right into it. A little recap. <laughs> this week we got done with the... Uh, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, you know, one of the premier events in some ways on tour. Uh, very, like, traditional event. It's been around forever. Um, but it's also sort of in some ways, like, one of the hardest events to cover every year. you got to watch the pros. you got to watch the, uh, um, the AMs at the same time on three different golf courses. So a lot of stuff going on there. Um, but, yeah, what do, we, uh, what do you guys have on Pebble? What are your thoughts? It's kind of a crazy week, crazy weekend, and a, an interesting winter. Uh, I'd jump in, I guess. Um, so I thought it was an awesome tournament. Um, uh, I know it's always a little bit, uh, of a longer tournament and you got to watch, you know, some of the amateurs hit some shots. Um, and a lot of them are, are, it's pretty exciting actually to see them hit regular shots. Like, uh, I know on, I think it was Saturday, maybe Tony Romo bladed one across the green into the water on 18. Um, and so it's, you know, you're seeing people hit shots that we would normally hit, uh, under pressure. Um, uh, no, no no heat there for Romo. Just, uh, he was the one person that popped <laughs> into my head, but, um, yeah, it was fun. Um, you know, I think a lot of people probably didn't want Nick Taylor to win. Um, they wanted to see, you know, Phil or one of the other guys behind him, Jason day to start the day on Sunday, but Hey, Nick Taylor played great. Um, congrats to him on his second PGA tour win. Um, and all that, that comes with this one. Um, and so exciting for him, um, as well as, you know, the other guys in the field, because I thought it was interesting that um, a lot of people struggled on, on Sunday, you know, it got really firm out there. It was, it was gusting uh, pretty bad. Um, and because actually Phil and Jason fell off, Kevin Streelman, um, you know, jumped in there in the second place. So there were some guys that played pretty well, some guys that didn't. Um, some interesting people in the top 10, actually, that we haven't heard of uh, in a while, like Daniel Berger, Finished T5. He shot three under on Sunday. So maybe Berger's making a little comeback because I know he struggled uh, last year. He had, you know, some medical injuries and then uh, had some some play there, but uh, that didn't do too well and actually was looking at maybe going back down to the uh, Corn Ferry Tour. So uh, good for him. And then Charles Schwartzel uh, popped up on the leaderboard in the top 10, as well as uh, Jakey's boy, Jordan Spieth, who I thought was dead. So, um, you know, maybe he's going to play some golf this year. <laughs> Uh, who knows? Two, but, two dead uh, men in the top ten this week, right? So, so it was an exciting finish. Um, you know, Nick Taylor had a huge lead to go into the back nine, and then it was like he went double. Phil went bogey, then Nick made another bogey, and I think at one point it was like a two shot lead. So, I know Jake, you and I texted each other, and we were like, "Oh shit, this is over. Phil's gonna win, or someone else is gonna win." And then as we sent that text, Nick Taylor, Nick Taylor chipped in, um, which was awesome. I'm and good for him, and, and from there he kind of took the reins and won the tournament, but. Um, overall, it's always a, always a fun one to watch. Um, a little bit different with all the amateurs out there. Um, I can only imagine what it's like for those guys playing um, because I, I feel like it can't be as serious because you got to you know keep it lighthearted. And I'm sure these guys are asking them all these kinds of questions the entire round. So uh, interesting, but uh, 
well done, Nick Taylor, and uh, well done for Phil, actually, who moved back into the top 60. So now he's, at the time, currently qualified for the U.S. Open as well as uh, the WGC events coming up. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting thing uh, with sort of his contentious relationship with the U.S. Open. But, um, yeah, we can get into that in a sec. I'm sorry. I didn't want to interrupt you. That's my bad, Vince. Did you have uh, you have anything on Pebble? Well, you didn't interrupt me, but obviously we're going to talk about the success of some people. Uh, I was happy to see not Phil win. Uh, I think I just didn't want him to win back to back at that kind of event. Mm-hmm. But um, Nick Taylor played good. He was steady. I was really surprised that he was able to kind of keep it under control through even into day three. Um, sad we didn't get to watch him hit that many shots until he and Phil were. You know, both dropping a bunch of bogeys together. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, really, you you, you got to give the dude a lot of credit, right? Like, the, it's not an easy event because of the schedule, because of how long rounds take. You, you, you know, if, you, if you're Nick Taylor, your career, you know, you've missed some cuts. You've had a tough year here and there. You snuck into certain things, kept your kept your card or whatever. And you're in the you're in a Sunday group with a defending champ on a golf course that got like really really tough, right? They've had a a dry cold winter there, which is kind of rare. So usually Pebble plays like a marshmallow, and then today or uh, this weekend it, it was like as firm as I've ever seen it. The greens were really really firm, um, and so Nick Taylor's like you know in the wind he shoots minus two, and I think like we look at that. Um, and you got to say it's it's kind of nails, you know. He played a great round. Maybe not, you know, the, obviously the best round on the golf course, but the position he was in um, could have obviously. And he believed me, he was like shorting a lot of shots. I, I don't know how much of the back nine you guys watched, but even the commentators, who sometimes I feel like they kind of just make things up, they were definitely calling it right because it looked like he was trying to hit these like chippy irons from, you know, a lot of mid irons and wedge shots. And he was literally just leaving him short. Like he it didn't look like he wanted to finish his swing. Like he was really worried about where it was going to go. And um, yeah, for him to, to chip in on, um, what was that? Fifth, 15. And then, you know, stuff one on 17 and, and sort of just separate was, was a big deal. I thought it was very, uh, very cool to see him perform that way coming down the stretch. But, um, and then like Doug, you said, for me, the two other things that were interesting um, besides the fact that Larry Fitzgerald is very clearly a sandbagger. Like, can we, can we <laughs> get this out there? Well, geez, but with Streelman killed it with him though, too. Oh, I get it. Like Streel's help. Like I totally get it. And, and I'm, you know what? Streel, Streelman's like a, when he doesn't have a chance to win, he just freewheels it on Sunday sometimes and like pops up. And that's like an interesting kind of career anyway. But uh, like Larry Fitzgerald is not an eight. I think I saw a stat that said he made like, 35 birdies or 25 birdies with his handicap across the week. I was like, wait a second. Something's wrong here. So I'm hoping for that from Vinny next week. Oh, yeah. I yeah. would love to turn into Larry Fitz for two days. That'd be great. <laughs> Actually, saw they, they may have said that he was playing off of a 10 even. No, but last year. They made a big point to say that like last year he was like a 12, and he's gotten himself all the way down to an 8. I was like, this dude is an NFL player. There's no doubt in my mind that even if he doesn't hit it that good, he drives it at least three bills. And 
you know, everything else is just sort of gravy. But like to win back to back, and this year I think they separated themselves. I was that that's a sidebar comment, obviously, but I think we need to get that handicap. He needs to go under revision. Well, they ASAP. did. They they considered. So they looked at it, and he had recorded twenty one rounds of golf in twenty twenty before the event started. Oh, I smell. I smell a conspiracy. I which smell is, some scores that he's just fucking wild. They were all like 83, <laughs> 84, 85 at his home course, which has like a rating of 70 and a slope of like 128, which Man. is no different than what we play here. That, or that, sounds, easier. that sounds a little fishy, but we'll, we'll, mm-hmm. it's neither here nor there, I guess. I'll, I'll see if I can find it. We'll add it to the, uh, we'll add it to yeah. the Instagram and get some feedback. I like it. I like it. Um, but like Doug said, the Phil thing, you know, I don't even know if he'll go play the U S open. He's pretty much said that he's done with that. And I actually kind of believe him in some ways. I don't think that Wingfoot sets up all that great for him anymore at this point in his career, but we'll see what he does now that he's basically going to qualify. And then the Jordan speed thing to me is huge because if you look, I didn't want to bring it up on the pod. I was feeling a little sort of way. I felt really like bad for him at the beginning of this year. But if you look, Across the last three weeks, he's improved every week. Um, and this week, he was first strokes gained in like every category on the weekend except for driving. I think he was like 67th. So to me, that's the big thing because he's never been an amazing driver of the golf ball. But if he's getting hitting greens, hitting it close, uh, even hitting it moderately close, you know he's going to make those putts. And so it'll be cool. I mean, he's going to go to Mexico, play the WGC, and um, – We'll see what happens with him from there. But overall, I think, you know, it's Pebble. It's it's a tough watch, but it's a good turn. So. Yep. Um, all right. So real quick, just a, another recap from this weekend's event. My favorite event of the weekend, I tried to catch a lot of this, but obviously with it being on in Australia, not the easiest thing, was the, um, the Vic Open, the 13th Beach Golf Club. Um, and that was won by Min Woo Lee. So the 21 year old from Australia wins in his home country with his sister playing in the women's field, which was playing in the same event concurrently. I, I just think that that is such a cool event, cool golf course, men's and women's tournament playing like uh, basically on the same course, different tees, no ropes. You know, you just had like the galleries just walking out there. Um, and Min Woo Lee just absolutely played like a beast in the wind um and i i mean he he could be really good i think we forget about him sometimes because he's been pro for like two years and he's 21 so his um, uh, his sister's a little smoky as well just to throw that out <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying i'm just saying so can we talk about yeah, the prize no, pool for that event a little bit i think we definitely should especially for the women's side of golf um an evenly split prize pool between the men's and women's winner, even though they played, you know, obviously separate events. Uh, I think it's good for the game or bad for the game. I think it's great. Yeah, me too. I'll, I'll be the first one to say that I, I think it's great. And I think the PGA tour should find a way to do this in America, at least for one event a year. For sure. You got any thoughts, Doug? Um, I, I really don't have a thought on it. I don't. I don't really care either way. I mean, I think it is pretty cool that they play the same weekend, that they have the same purse. Great. Um, the men's field, really. I mean, it, 
it's a lot of guys that nobody really knows. I'm sure they're all great golfers, but to me, it's I, I watched a little bit of it because uh, I was up late one night when it came on, and uh, I think I texted the group that golf course looks sick. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was I, I really couldn't watch to get myself into watching too much of it because uh, just the field that was there. But uh, I watched you know probably five to seven holes. The golf course looks really good. I re- I do think it's cool that they put the men and women um, in the same event. Um, and, and I would agree. I think that we could probably do something with that here in the U.S. I know they do like the, was it like the QBE shootout? Yeah. Like over the Christmas break and like Lexi Thompson and a few other women playing that. But yeah, I think if you could do like a full field on both sides, I think you'd have a tough time getting the same prize pool here in the U.S. But, uh, you know, you can you could probably get them closer to each other. But uh, yeah, definitely pretty cool. Cool for Lee to win, especially like you said, with the sister playing on the women's side. Um, yeah, for sure. And we'll see. Uh, we'll see if he can, uh, you know, make a move this year on the European tour. Well, I mean, you you do make a good point, like about the strength of field. But that, I feel like that's just what the European tour looks like on a week when the PGA tour has a fairly large event. Because any of the guys that like straddle both tours are going to try to play the bigger PGA tour event, and then you also have a bunch of guys who are going to basically say i don't want to go all the way to australia so right you you yeah you always end up with like a, a slightly weaker field and it is what it is but i think that i think it's just a good thing i mean jeff ogilvy who is you know he's pretty woke i mean he he and like really fucking laugh yeah i mean he doesn't really play golf anymore and so it almost doesn't matter though because like listening to what he had to say he's like talking about how you know you you're used to playing your game one way and then you're out there and you're watching the, you're hitting a seven iron and you're hitting it to, you know, let's say 20 feet. And you're like, wow, it's like not the best shot, but Hey, it is what it is. Tough conditions. Right. And then you're standing next to a woman who's hitting like a three hybrid and she, you know, stuffs it. And you're like, what, how the fuck did that happen? And he was doing this interview and he was like, literally talking about this scenario where he says, you know, basically we, <laughs> our games value different skills, right? The men's game, we really look at like power um, and the women's game, they look at like precision and right. the focus is so totally different and you're watching them side by side and it, lo- it looks so different because of that, which I think is, I'd love to see it just to, you know, kind of be able to compare like that side by side. But I, I did like that. Uh, they So they did like a first cut on Saturday and then on sun, obviously on Sunday, they cut down to like, I think 40 in ties. Yeah. Um, so that you could put both people on the same course, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the cut was like four under. So like it was playing, there was a lot of competition out there. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, a lot of, like you said, a lot of Aussies played in it because it was local. Um, you know, for me, I definitely want to get over there and play sometime. I know it's fucking really far. Um, really and, far. and Vince will probably have three panic attacks on the flight over, but uh, we <laughs> definitely wrong. need. You're wrong definitely... because I won't even be on the plane. <laughs> no, so, we'll, we'll so Vince will not do the Australian Ryder Cup. We'll get Vince on the boat. He'll take the uh, the cruise from <laughs> California to Australia. I, I wouldn't do that either. <laughs> Man, but, uh, yeah, we uh, that place looks incredible. So yeah, for sure. That's all I got on that though. Okay, cool. Let's um, let's get into picks. So uh, we just like we basically decided that we thought it'd be a good idea to continue doing our picks. But we have a little game going on, right? So every week, our picks are going to be worth nine points. Um, and I'll update every week. I'll update you guys on the score. 
Um, so every every week the event is worth nine points, first place, second place, third place, and then we divide based on if there's ties, based on if somebody gets cut, all of these things, and, and we go from there. So um, I have won both of the first two weeks. I picked um, Max Homa this week. He had another good week. Um, and then, Vince, who did you pick again? Uh, Scott Piercy. Scott Piercy, who had a solid week. Actually, he and Homo uh, were pretty were pretty close. And then, Dougie, your pick was? Uh, Mr. Diarrhea himself, Paul Casey. Paul Casey, who shit all over himself. He shot nine over on Sunday, which is incredible. He yes. was one shot or two shots behind Piercy and Homo to start the day and finished 13 back. So he did a great job um, separating himself and finishing dead fucking last. Like all of my picks that happened this year, it's really, really tragic. Dude, but, you are uh, like, you are just, you're cursed right now. We, you got to get out of the slump. But you know what? You're going to have first draft pick this week. You're going to get the first pick. So currently the score, the the nine-point score um, is 10 for me, six for the Hot Dog King, and two for Dougie. Um, and that's kind of where we're at. But, like, obviously big swings, big swings, because I could end up with a week where I only get one point or uh, – you know, a week where, uh, you know, Doug goes on a little run. We, we don't know. We don't know. But, you know, with the, with this game, it, it's volatile. It's volatile. So, uh, but this week we've got Riv. It's my favorite regular tour event of the year. I love the golf course. I think it's, the, like, the, one of the best golf courses they play. Uh, separates the men from the boys a little bit. Um, even though it's shorter, it's, like, very, very interesting. Uh, you got to work the ball a lot more. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Riv, Riv is... It's great. It's great. I actually played uh, a course here called White Marsh Valley, um, which is a George C. Thomas design. And it has some of the same things going on as Riv, but like not as crazy because it's not built in like a canyon. And it's pretty fucking wild. It's very tough. Uh, very like a lot, lot of crazy greens and crazy surrounds. It's, uh, it's pretty neat. So, yeah. What, what are we thinking picks wise for Riv, boys? Doug, you're, you got the first one. All right, power rankings time. Uh, so this is the Genesis. Also, the GOAT is making his second start of the year. That's Tiger Woods, just in case anybody's curious. Um, so Jason Day rounds out the top 15. Uh, he has played pretty decently this year. He played very well last week uh, until the final round. Um, a lot of people didn't play well, but he's, he's 15. Xander, 14. Mark Leishman, 13th. Uh, Big Fildo Mickelson's 12th. Uh, which I kind of find actually interesting because he's played very well the last three weeks. Um, and so he's 12th. Uh, Dustin Johnson's 11. Hideki 10th. Uh, Jay Rose, I think I think he's making his first start of the year. Uh, ninth. Uh, Adam Scott, the cheater, 8th. Patrick Cantlay, 7. Uh, the GOAT, T-Woo, 6th. Tony Finau, 5th. Bubba, who's won here twice and then like m- made every cut I think ever here. Um, John Rahm third, JT second, and then the new number one player in the world, Roy McIlroy, is uh, number one in the power rankings. Um, so I am actually – I need to go with the power hitter here because I need points, and he's probably going to hate me for taking this, but I'm going to go with DJ this week. Uh, he was he won in 2017, his second in all-time earnings there with six top fives uh, and eight top tens. Uh, he – didn't play very well in the last round at Pebble, but again, I think he finished with T7 in, in uh, Hawaii 
and finished runner-up in Saudi Arabia where uh, Phil also played well. So uh, he's been having a pretty good year. He, I would think to his standards last year, he did not have a great year. Um, so looking forward to, to DJ teeing it up this week. Um, I will say before you guys get into your pairings, there is some, or in your picks, there is some really good pairings. Um, JT is yeah, playing with, with cool. Tiger and Steve Stricker, which I think is a good, great pairing for Tiger because him and Stricker are boys and Tiger carried JT at the President's Cup. So um, the three of them playing together. And then John Rahm is playing with Jay Rose, but also playing with the slowest golfer on the planet, JB Holmes. Ooh. So oh, wait, one second. Wait, mental wait, wait, warfare. Wait, wait. Justin Rose, Justin Rose is like just as slow, I think, as JD Holmes. No way. There's no way, dude. He's up there. JD Holmes goes up there and plumb bobs all the time. And believe me, I'm not defending JD Holmes because he's slow as fuck. But Justin Rose is like aim pointing from fucking fifty yards away. Wow. Yeah, I, I I know that we look at Justin Rose in a different way because he's not like some redneck hillbilly and he like contends in majors and all of these things. But like Justin Rose is a fucking slow player. He is, but keep going. Uh, your boy Ches Reeves playing with Vinny's boy Francesco Molinari, who I think is playing, making his first uh, start of the year. Sounds, uh, sounds like it should be a featured group. God. Well, Tigers a featured group. I think they like eleven forty one their time, so that's like whatever time ours is. They're going off, so it's uh, it's gonna be great. Can't wait. Phil's playing with uh, Brooks, who's making. His first start of the year in the in the U.S. Uh, and Bubba, which is going to be a good group. Two lefties there with the power hitter Brooks. Um, see if Cavs can win that one. And then uh, the last group I wanted to pick out was uh, newly appointed number one. Rory is playing with Patrick Cantley and Dustin Johnson. So big power group there. Um, I think there's some – obviously, it's a really good field. It always is. It's a great course. Um, so I'm looking forward to, uh, to watching it this week. Uh, Vinny, who you got? I am taking your favorite putter, Mr. Adam Scotty. I thought you were going to say uh, <laughs> Brant Snedeker since we talked about him last week oh, in the pop I know. I know. Uh, no, we're going to Adam Scott. He's got a few top 10 finishes out there. Um, he hasn't missed a cut in 10 events. I think, you know, the end of last year, he was starting to really hit the ball well. And I mean, all kidding aside, he's a really good golfer with a super smooth swing. We just hate him because of the way, you know, his putting history. But I think he's got a real good chance. I'm happy to see a full field this week. I mean, there's every name is is literally on the sheet. Um, and it's, it's going to be an exciting week. I think Speed's actually going to play well, too, believe it or not. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but he's not my pick. <laughs> Okay, I I agree. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna have another good week um, because of the way, like the type of um, the type of strategy you sort of need around there is very much kind of what Spieth does. But um, I, I first of all, I like both of your picks. I considered DJ. I did not consider Adam Scott, not for any other reason, but that I just feel like you have to have a really good putting week with how crazy some of the greens have gotten at uh, Riv. I am going to go with Bubba because he's amazing here. It's probably his best chance besides Hartford to win. And he seems to be like just really dialed in on even years, right? Like for whether it's Ryder cup stuff or it's just like this weird pattern. If you go back and look his even years, 
have been incredible. And then he struggled in his off years and he had, he did have one bad year when he did that whole like Volvic experiment, which was like a mess. But um, yeah, I think if you look at his year so far this year, he's had a lot uh, better starts than he did last year. He's kind of gone back to more traditional putting because he was trying like different grips and arm lock, different types of putters and all this stuff. And he's kind of just seemingly brought things back to kind of a more natural, the way that he plays golf, turning the ball both ways and kind of hitting a bunch of different shots and things like that. And Riv really sets up for that. So I'm going to go with Bubba to, um, to get another win at Riv and to uh, you know, further extend my lead in our, in our little cutthroat challenge here. Beautiful. You guys, a couple questions here. Do you think Tiger finishes in the top 10? Yes. Yes. Okay. Do you know, do you know that all of the 10 times he's made the cut, he's finished inside the top 20? So another reason he's the GOAT. All right, do next one. Do you also one. know that he's never won at Riv, though? At That's okay. Level? Why not start now? No, I'm, I'm not saying that he couldn't start now, but his illustrious career as a Californian amateur and pro, he's never won at Riv. I will throw this out as my prediction for the 2020 season. You guys can mark it down. Uh, Tiger will be the number one golfer in the world by the end of the year. I don't think he's playing in enough events. Yeah, he's not going to play enough. He's going to win enough to be there. Don't worry. He's not He's not going to play enough, dude. All right. You would have to like win like three times perfect and there you go can, yeah and contend a bunch of others but and he's gonna win to contend at every major he's gonna win but the Doug, masters Doug firmly believes he's contending at every major he's for sure it's not even close it's true love wingfoot wing he's gonna win wingfoot he's definitely I, gonna win the masters i think jt wins a wingfoot Oh, we're going down a, a dark path. So hold, you, you, we should hold on to this a little bit for you as a preview. <laughs> but I actually, I'm going to lean towards Doug on this real quick because I think it's. I think Wingfoot is his best chance this year. If you if you want to talk about Tiger winning, I think Wingfoot is his best chance this year to win a major. So, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, all right. What we got so, next? Well, we knocked out all of our PGA Tour stuff. We talked a little okay. European Tour. Um, and then, you know, this has kind of been the big story this week is the USGA, uh, distance report. And I think it's important before we get into this discussion to mention, to put a few disclaimers out there. First of all, we don't have the hundred page report in front of us. We're not going to read directly from the report. Um, but what we can do is give a general idea of what's going on in the USGA's report about distance, the findings that they have, the suggestions that they make, and sort of our thoughts and feelings on what this all looks like. Because it's a controversial topic. You don't want to step on toes with this, and you don't want to misquote. So I think it's important to uh, sort of note that, yeah, what we're basically doing is kind of giving a roundabout um, breakdown of this thing. But USGA came out with a 100-page, 100-plus page report um, last week, focusing on data-driven information about distance in golf, what it's doing to the game, um, what needs to be, in their opinion, changed because of how far the golf ball is going, whether that's based on the club, based on the ball, based on both. And basically, the overall uh, thesis of this thing 
kind of boils down to, you know, guys are hitting uh, pros, especially are hitting it too far. Um, it's taken other skills out of the game of golf. Equipment has gotten to the point where it has sort of gone away from the realm of being exactly what M's play. Um, and on top of that, it started to also look at things like golf course sustainability, golf course viability, um, a lot of different topics uh, based around sort of this idea of what the modern game is. So there's just a lot to really talk about here. I get, it's really kind of, an, I think, an open forum. I mean, you guys can jump in whenever you want. I have a, a ton of crap to say, but I don't. Um, I, I am, I mean, you kind of know where I stand on some of it, so I'm interested to hear a little bit of where you guys kind of kind of stand or, or what you think about this. Benny, what do you think? Oh, well, we talked about this a few different times this week. We've talked about it. Jake and I had our, a little tiff over athleticism. You and I had... Uh, you know, a brainstorming session on the tee box about where the game or what it does to the game and the amateur game. And, um, and one of the things about golf is that you truly as an amateur, regardless of how bad or good you are, you are playing the same game as the pros, right? So like the effect on the sport as a whole by segmenting the pros with different gear, uh, you know, all the above. We can we can take this so many different ways. Um, but I'm just going to touch on Phil's comments from last week, I think, a little bit. This is kind of what Jake and I argued about. Um, from my point of view, you know, even in the time period where he's had significant difference, uh, gains in distance, etc., uh, the technology and the golf club, if we're just talking about the club itself or driver, the materials used – are still pretty much the same. They're just better utilized. Um, I just, I think whatever occurs has to be tuned in a way that doesn't discourage people from, uh, you know, trying to grow the sport or, or kill the fan base in a way that drives amateurs away or, or new players because they feel so behind the eight ball and they're trying you know, trying to achieve their goals as a player. Like, that's that's my biggest argument. Okay. I mean, we uh, did we did argue about it. I'm not going to jump in right now, but we did. We definitely did argue about it, and I, I got some other stuff. Go ahead, Doug. I, I kind of tend to agree with Vince, actually. Um, I, I think that... I think that the part of the... Re- and we talked about this a little bit last week, so I don't want to talk too much about it either, but... I think part of the, the fun of golf is it's really one of the only sports out there that you play the same game as the pros. You don't. Um, Sorry, I got to stop you real quick. You don't play the same game. You don't get the same clubs. You don't get the same balls. You don't play the courses that are well, made. We do play the same ball. We definitely you, play the same you, you 100% do not play the same golf ball that Roy McIlroy plays. Well, that's because I play a different brand than he does. No, it's not even about brand, dude. Like, they are getting golf balls that are manufactured to their tolerances for their golf swing. If it, And maybe, like, if you go to the cat and somebody's like, you know what? We got the Titleist guy here. He's going to take you in. You're going to test out six different configurations of a Pro V1. When they find the best one for you, we're going to make you a dozen. That would be the equivalent of playing what, what Rory McIlroy plays. Right. Okay. I'll agree with that. 
Um, but we're playing the same golf courses is really what I meant. Um, obviously, we're not hitting the same shots as them because they hit flush the ball every time they hit it. They're hitting it three bills. Um, but I think that that's the part of the fun, right, is watching them just absolutely kill these golf courses for me. Um, I, I think by adding in a different golf ball for the pros or, or bifurcation, uh, which I saw Tiger was talking a little bit about today in, the, in his presser because they were asking him about it, is um, down the road, but I believe it will happen eventually. Um, and, and for me, that's kind of disappointing because whether or not we're playing the same equipment or not, um, you know, I like to think that I am playing the same equipment as them. Obviously, yeah, their they're fairway woods and drivers are fucking tipped out and hot faces all the way down to as thin as they can get and things that we can't get because obviously we can't, we can't afford that mostly. Um, but, uh, I, I, I think that by doing some bifurcation or changes to the game in my eyes hurts the game. Um, and if you, if I was a kid coming out, you know, you probably don't realize it when you're beginning, but once you're starting to get into it, you're like, well, shit, I'm, I'm really good as an amateur, but what the hell is that going to mean once I get as a pro? Cause like what, what there is going to be cases where people make the, try to make the jump and then just absolutely get hit in the face. Um, and I think that once that starts to happen more than once, it's going to deter people from trying to play, play golf as a younger kid and instead play something else where they think they might have a better chance to make a pro, whether it's true or not. But I think, um, I think it does hurt the game if, if that's the direction they do decide to go. All right. Well, I mean, I'm going to just disagree with both of you for a couple of quick reasons. And I think I don't want to go too long on it. Just like you said, this is the thing. What, what pro golfers do is amazing. I'm not saying it's not amazing. It's definitely amazing. What's rewarded in the game now is very simple. The further you hit it, I mean, you can go look at any stat you want. The further you hit it, the more like you're going to potentially win, the more you're going to be in contention, the more money you're going to make. That's it. And if that's the skill that we want to reward, that's fine. Right. If we, if the USGA, the PGA tour, everybody sits around and says, you know what, this is a game based mostly on distance and other skills uh, can be rewarded, but aren't necessarily completely necessary. Then that's fine. That's the decision that they've made. I, just when I look at it, I don't think that we play the same game that pros play in any way, shape, or form. And I think that people that are great AMs that are heading towards trying to be pros and things like that, we don't even play the same game that those people play for the most part. So in the end, like when we go to play a golf course that's 6,500 yards, and I've actually, I'm not trying to pick on you, Doug, but this has happened with you in particular, maybe more than anyone. We'll go to play this guy. And the first thing that we do is we look at the card and Doug will be like, oh my God, this place is short. This place is so short. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it is short, but there's strategy. There's these obstacles and ideas and things like that, that have been paced and destroyed essentially by the equipment and how out of hand it's gotten. Now, I'm not saying that you need to like get rid of drivers and dial them all the way down. I'm not saying you need to kill the golf ball and go back to like a golf ball from the late 80s. That's not what's ever going to happen. But bifurcation already exists based on the game that the pros play versus the game that we play, the equipment that they play. Yeah, but not as bad as it will. 
But what does it matter? Like when you go out on the course and you play your TP5X and you hit your brand new tailor-made sim, like, do you, do you sit there and you go, oh, like I'm playing this because Rory's playing this or like, I, I feel like I can hit this shot because I've seen Rory hit this shot. And then you go in your mind, you're like, well, I can do it because I have the right combination of golf ball and driver. Like, because they're, if they're playing comp balls at the masters, you've never, you've never gone there and played a regular ball at Augusta. So in the end, like, what does it matter? What does it change? You know, look at other sports for one second, swimming, right? They had those a couple of years ago in the Olympics, everybody was wearing those full body suits, what did swimming do with the full body suits? They said, we have to outlaw these because it's destroying our sport. Technology is going beyond what humans could have done. And the records that are being shattered aren't being shattered because of what these people are doing in terms of training or anything like that. It's because of what they're wearing. Uh, college baseball. They don't play wooden bats in college baseball. They play metal bats. What happens when they go to the pros? It's bifurcated. They give them... Could you imagine if the Houston Astros were cheating and using metal bats? It would be insane. It would have been like a million home runs. Tennis, right? The rackets got bigger. The materials got better. They kept getting better and better. Ball speeds kept going further and further up. Tennis had to step in and say like, yo, we need to chill this out. Like, this is getting out of hand. Our sport is becoming all about the serve. We've lost the art of the game. And like I'm, I, I'm, I will like literally die on this cross. I don't think that it's going to affect any weekend golfer because weekend golfers are not going to lose any distance. They're not going to have any less fun. But what is going to happen is the pro game could only get more interesting, right? You got guys like Webb Simpson comes out and says, "Oh, you want to know how to make it harder for us? Make golf courses narrower, grow the rough up higher." make the green smaller. You have Billy Horschel come saying that the reason that equipment hits the, or the ball goes farther now is because golf course designers came out and wanted to make longer golf courses. So they could put more houses on them. Like it's just so disconnected. And to me, that is when you need to hit the reset button a little bit like that. When you have guys saying things like this, you're that's scary to me. That's wild. So I don't know. We can agree to disagree. I'm not saying that there's any right or wrong answer, and I don't think this is something that's going to happen for a couple of years or more. I mean, Tiger said in his presser that he thinks it will happen, but not until he's done with the game. Right. And that might be the case. But, like, I sent you that I, when Vince and I were, like, arguing via, via text or whatever about Phil, and you see Phil's driving averages as time has gone on. It's, like, pretty insane to go from hitting it like averaging what they say at Pebble, like 270 to right around 300 to over 300 across 30 years. That's not just from him being a better athlete. You don't get, you don't become stronger when you're 50. Oh, it's technology. When you're 20. Exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah. To jump in, I mean, the PGA did a, a comparison, basically, if Jack Nicklaus, who at the time was the longest hitter on tour, had been using new technology uh, at this point in time, I guess it was like 2012, his 276 yard average drive or long drive uh, would have been comparable to 311 yards on tour at that time. Like, I don't see how that's a big difference in terms of what you're describing with Phil. So, but 
it, you're you're not wrong. I think it's a great point to make because in some ways you're you're looking at an outlier, right? Like you'd have to look at everybody. So you'd have to like take Jack Nicholas, who was known as being really long for his time, like freakishly long for his time, and then see what everybody else around that time was averaging, right? Because if Jack Nicholas is averaging like let's say, like you said, 276, and most of the field is 15 yards behind him, then you realize that that's, that is a person who has that particular ability. It's like John Daly in the mid-90s. You hear guys all the time that are like, I never saw anybody hit a golf ball like that until John Daly came out. And John Daly was the driving distance leader on tour for a bajillion years. You're always going to have people that are freaks of nature, right? DJ is an example of that. Like when I remember watching some of early DJ and being like, holy shit, watch this guy move it, right? You're always going to have outliers. You're always going to have guys that are freaks. Cam Champ has a gear that I don't think we even see on a, a, a weekly basis, right? You're always going to have that. The question kind of becomes, what about the, the average in general, right? There's no premium on driving it. Who's the best driver of the golf ball in the whole world, period? Distance, accuracy, everything combined. Who's the best? Who do we think or who, who yeah, is? Who, who do you – yeah, I want to say who do you think. Let's start there. Rory. Rory McIlroy, right? Rory McIlroy is the number one total driver on the PJ Tour in the whole world, literally the best driver of the golf ball. Do you think that there are people that are comparable to him? Of course. DJ and Brooks. Yes, right. DJ and Brooks and actually a couple of other guys, maybe even more than a couple. Rory just does it the most consistently. But that also means that like his greatest skill is very rarely being rewarded, right? He can't separate himself because he's so, he's so good at hitting it not only far, but incredibly straight. He can't separate himself from someone like with this particular stat, not the total game, but like his driving doesn't stand out as much as it could if you look at like a guy like Jason Kokrak, who absolutely mashes it, right? But he also hits it all over the fucking planet. And so in the end, the skill isn't rewarded as much as it could be. That's, I think, part of it, right? Like if, you know, these guys had a slightly spinnier golf ball that didn't go necessarily straight, necessarily as far, you would start to see the really great drivers stand out even more. And that, yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know, like a guy like Tiger would benefit from that because he can fucking move it both ways um, versus some guys who just go up there and swing as hard as they possibly can. So I don't know. I don't know. I think you can, I'm not trying to strong arm you. I know that I'm doing that, but I think that, you know, you guys make good points. I just don't see how it ever affects the am, how it ever shrinks the game. I just think it makes the pro game more interesting. In the end, that's all I got. It's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting. Vince, you got anything else? You done? No, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about this all day. Obviously, like every, everything everybody says, I have a pro and con, and for there's just there's so many possibilities of the where it could go and what it could do to each every single person's point of view on the sport and the people playing it um you know we'll never really know until there's something tangible in front of us like this is the golf ball this mm-hmm. is the driver you know uh, that's and, true that's until, true. And, until that point in time 
you know, we should we should be happy that we're playing a great game. Oh yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone is dissatisfied with with the game. I don't I don't think that that's the case at all. I think in the end, all we're talking about is a way to make the pro game more interesting and to be able to go visit different spots and and see different types of shots and things that we don't see anymore necessarily. But I think you're definitely right. I mean, the game to me is in a in a great place in terms of like how much fun it is and how enjoyable it is for the AMs and how incredible it looks when you see the pros do what they do. So yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, wow. Yeah. That was like, that might be our heaviest segment in the history of golf right there. <laughs> or in the history of the pod. Like that was, that was going deep. Um, do you guys want to talk about this event that you're playing in on Monday? Well, first of all, I was going to say, are you playing this weekend? Uh, no, it's gonna be cold and wet here. It's pretty much only rained here for the last week, so I'm I'm, I'm in the doldrums. I'm ready to be out of here. Um, so yeah, on our end, uh, Vinny is actually playing a little uh, Valentine's Day round with his uh, father-in-law. And, Whoa! Hey, um, just kidding. That's a shot of Vince. He knows I'm kidding. Um, on no, Saturday, I'm playing golf with him, but oh, it is he's your not father-in-law. My father-in-law. <laughs> uh so vince is playing golf saturday with him while i'm in austin and uh then uh Vinny actually got the call up uh from the minor leagues to the majors on wednesday and we are taking a little trip to the golden nugget in lake charles on sunday night uh for a pro pro am am event that will be monday and tuesday at the golden nugget on their golf course. Um, so there's a prize pool for the pros and then there's a bunch of prizes and cool stuff for the amateurs. Um, so we got a, we got a free room there at the nugget for Sunday night and Monday night. Vince is going to be my playing partner. We're playing with uh, two of the pros from wildcat. We're not exactly sure what the format is or how it works. I just know that uh, Vince and I are together and playing with two of the pros. So, uh, and it's handicapped. So, uh, looking forward to that. Apparently we have to wear slacks, <laughs> so I got to pull out the old hey, pants. Got to uh, get the pants out. It's Pro official. Pants. I hope maybe they'll rope off the first tee box. Actually, I hope they don't because then Vince will probably shit his pants and shank one on the first tee box. But you know, we'll, uh, no, we'll f- no. figure it out from there. Um, I don't feel pressure. Are they going to Are they going to announce your guys' names? Because that would that would then maybe ramp it up a little bit. If they do, I will get somebody to record it because I hope they do. Um, <laughs> And we can put it on the pod. But, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll take some pictures for the leaderboard, and we'll put those up next week. Uh, so look for those. But uh, I'm excited. I know Vince kind of got thrown into it last second, but uh, you have any thoughts on it, Vince? I'm excited. I like, thankfully, I've played that course a few times. So uh, That's true. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, from, a guy knows from, his way around. From, from my understanding, uh, the amateurs get to play from 63, which is right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> You it's can awesome. Snipe, it's got yeah, some, you can snipe that place. And it's got some great holes. Uh, there's a couple par fives that are reachable, except for really 18. But uh, they're all pretty cool, pretty open. It's kind of uh, fairways and pine straw. There is some uh, like ragweed bushes, but uh, the last uh, four or five holes are right on the, the bay there too. So it's it's pretty cool um, coming back in towards the, towards the casino. So uh, great course. It's in great shape. It's only like three or four years old. Um, and uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully the weather stays away because I see that there's a chance of rain both days. But uh, we'll see what happens. It's going to be fun either way. Yeah, fingers crossed. Hopefully, no. Uh, hopefully, you guys get a nice day. That would be that'd be good. Yeah. Hopefully, we bring home the hardware as well and uh, make some money. Yeah, that'd be great. That's all, all I right. got. 
Well, that's we did it. Another week down. Yep. Um, yes, so we'll get back with some Riv recap. I'm sure it'll be exciting. And then, uh, yeah, whatever whatever else unfolds, we'll, uh, we'll bring that to you guys as well. So, all right, Vince, lead them out. Oof. All right. Thanks again for tuning in. Uh, if you haven't followed us on Instagram yet, you can follow us at the Breakfast Ball Pod. And uh, if you're teeing it up this weekend and it just doesn't go right, don't forget to hear your breakfast ball. Thanks again.